Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, it's Troy from the Tap Market Podcast. Today we've got Sam Webster of Webster Auto Collective on. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Really glad to have you here. Say hello to the audience. Tell us what you're working on and how you got there. Thanks, Troy. I'm really excited to be here today. The Webster Auto Collective is a car club for the modern day car enthusiasts. And our goal is to save car enthusiasts time and money on their car projects, allowing them to finish them faster and cheaper than they would with any other option out there. So what we do is we go out and we partner with automotive brands to negotiate exclusive deals just for members of the Webster Auto Collective. Our members then can take advantage of all those deals without having to go negotiate them themselves or wait for big sales on Black Friday or something like that. So they can get to building faster and end up with a much better result. They're stretching their budget. So take a step back and tell everybody how you got to this point. Before getting to launch the Webster Auto Collective, you yourself personally have been a car guy since forever. Tell us the story of what you did and how you got here. And there was a lot of audience building along the way here that I think is important for the audience tapped market here to understand how you start serving your audience with your focus before you start selling your audience. For sure. Yeah. So I've been a car enthusiast pretty much my entire life. Started in high school with a friend who was a mechanic for BMW and always had cool cars. So I was always driving around in these super loud, really low, really aggressive looking cars. And I don't know, it hooked me, it sparked something in me. And I just knew that cars would forever be a part of my life. I never really did anything about it. I tinkered with them, had 11 or 12 cars since high school. And I've always done little things to them. But I've always wanted to do more. And I spent a lot of time watching guys on YouTube, rebuilding wrecked Ferraris and Lamborghinis and seeing these massive audiences that they grew because it's really interesting to see these guys just in their home garage rebuilding supercars with little knowledge of them. They're just figuring it out as, as they go. And I wanted to do something like that. I didn't have the budget to go and buy a wrecked Ferrari or something like that, but I'd always been interested in the off-road world in Utah. It's a pretty big thing. And I've always been a fan of Toyota Tacomas. I've had a lot of pickup trucks, but I wanted one that I could take down to Moab or take out to the desert and do really high-speed desert racing style stuff. And I figured the Tacoma is a great place to start. And so I did something that everyone told me not to do, thought I was really dumb to do it, but I sold my really nice diesel pickup truck and bought a completely wrecked Toyota Tacoma in a salvage auction without even seeing it in person. It didn't run, it didn't drive, it was a total disaster. All the airbags deployed, the front suspension was broken in half, like it got pretty messed up. And I did it while I was at work and called on a credit card, called my wife and was like, I just bought a new car. We've got to go drive to Reno, Nevada to go pick it up. So we went and rented a trailer and 
and off we went. So picked it up, a huge forklift came, picked it up, put it on the trailer, and it was amazing. Like I'm starting this journey of really becoming a fabricator, a car builder, something I've always wanted to do. While my wife is sitting there in like total shock, I'm like what did you just do? So I just started documenting it on Instagram because my family spread out across the country, and I wanted them to see what I was up to, and just started talking about you know, rebuilding this part, rebuilding that part, and how I learned how to do the things and resources for the knowledge that you needed and technical skills to actually accomplish the tasks. And my following started to grow and grow consistently and had a lot of people starting to ask me questions. I'm like, hey, I just, you know, I got in an accident. How should I think about fixing this? Or, you know, I need to put, you know, my windshield's broken. How do I remove it myself and save a little bit of money? And so I started going back and forth with people which is great. I felt like, all right, I'm becoming somewhat of an expert in this. Uh, people are relying on me to help them figure out their projects, which is great. And then I realized that I wasn't optimizing Instagram. I was just doing it haphazardly. I didn't know the technical skills involved in that. So took a like an Instagram course, learned some things, learned how to use hashtags, learned all about storytelling, things like that. And then the move that helped me the biggest for people to, to see me was I just started tagging in every post, tagging like the top five companies in the space that I would want to work with just so that they would see me. It works a little bit differently now. Like it actually shows up in a message in their inbox. But back then they could just see like a notification that Sam Webster tagged you in a post. And I did that for like six months. And then finally, this company called Tacoma Beast, which is kind of the biggest Tacoma parts warehouse that there is in the United States reached out to me and was like, hey, we've been following you. We love what you're doing. We love your story. And we'd love to showcase you on our YouTube channel, which was like completely mind-blowing because I started from nothing. I was nobody. I didn't have a background. Like I wasn't a mechanic. I wasn't trained in any of this stuff. But these guys hit me up and they're like, hey, we're going to fly up to Utah. We're going to do a build walk around. We'll go drive around a little bit. We'll hang out for the day. And it was like meeting a celebrity. Like this guy is a pretty big deal in the space. And this is where things started to level up for me and did that video. It was January, 2020. So it was right before the pandemic hit and uh, did the video, started building this relationship with him and the video went live and quickly became the most viewed videos on his channel, which was crazy. So the first one to pass a million views. And so all of a sudden I had this flood of eyeballs coming in to me and my project and the thing that people resonated with was somebody that doesn't know how to do anything, just figuring it out. And if you go through the comments, it's like almost all positive, which is unheard of in the automotive world. People are, like to critique projects and they tend to get pretty negative because they have opinions that don't align with other people. But you go through it and it's like, you know, this is so inspiring. I love the story. I'm going to go and do something myself. And I started getting DMs from people saying, I just bought a wrecked truck because you bought a wrecked truck. And I just kind of started to spiral out of control. And I did not intend on any of this happening, by the way. I wasn't trying to be like an Instagram person or build an audience. I was just doing it for fun. And so that kind of launched me. And the Instagram page has grown to over 30,000 followers, got millions of views when it was really going off, you know, over 2 million views a month. Some of my content, some of the reels, over 4 million views. For silly stuff, like me driving up the street and pulling into my driveway. It wasn't like carefully curated content. It was just like the truck driving and pulling into my driveway, which makes no sense to me. 
So, <laughs> you could just try stuff and see what works. I didn't think anything of it when I did it, but that was great. It's kind of launched me into this world of people knowing who I am and what I'm doing, which is great. But I didn't, how do you make money with that? I was just rebuilding something in my driveway and I didn't understand how to turn that into dollars. And I don't work in the automotive industry. I work in the oil and gas industry. So I'm an analyst. I sit and crunch numbers all day. I sell spreadsheets. They're my best friend. And so as I'm doing that stuff, I'm always listening to business podcasts because I'm interested in that stuff. I ran across Ryan Moran and started listening to his content and how he was launching businesses off the back of audiences that he had built and launching them on Amazon. And so I started consuming his content on YouTube, all the free stuff and his newsletter that goes out, things like that. And eventually it was just like, fuck it. I'm going to dive into this headfirst and really focus on turning this audience into a business. And what I've come up with is a little different than most of the people that are inside of the capitalism.com incubator. So I'm not actually launching a business that is a physical products brand. I'm launching one that is a membership site where I negotiate deals with brands to reduce the cost of parts for people like me. I'm solving my own problems, so it's not hard for me to do. I know exactly what the issue is that most people have. And that's how I ended up here talking to Troy. It's because we're both a part of the incubator program and launching businesses off the back of these audiences. So that's a little background into how I got from where I am to where things are right now. It is a really good story. The thing that I like the most about it is obviously that you're serving yourself. So you know your avatar, your person very well. The car guy, the guy that is so into cars, he's likely willing to risk his financial stability and his relationships with his family because he's so into cars. But at the same time, you're not necessarily creating this content or you didn't start out necessarily creating this content for the audience. You were smart enough to document it or, or lucky enough to document it in the sense that you did create an audience and you stuck with it long enough that an important player caught wind of you. And through hard work, it sounds like the tagging of the people you wanted to notice you worked and then you kind of got your break. That's really no different than when we had Leah on with the flipping holders. She created a great product and served her audience of these moms and dads with kids that were blowing out their, their squeezable pouches. At the end of the day, she got a lot of growth from the audience just noticing her, noticing the product, noticing your ambition within the space, within cars, to be able to put out meaningful content that adds value without really asking for anything, which I think is the best way to really create content. And then what you can do is you can go back to your audience and ask them, hey, what are you dealing with in your journey with cars for your sake? And I think that's knowing your story quite a bit as well. I think that's essentially what happened here, right? Is And you, you can talk more about this, but you went back and talked to those those followers and got feedback. And I think you knew this, right? That people were spending a lot of money and finding a way to save them money on their projects so they can keep building them was low hanging fruit. So maybe you can tell a little bit 
of that story of how you worked with the audience to understand their problems and how you, what you identified from talking to them. Sure. Yeah. So the biggest challenge for me building the truck was just funding the project by, you know, I sold my nice truck to fund it. And I said, I put it on a credit card. I put it on a credit, bought the initial wreck truck on a credit card so I could get all the miles. I already had the money. So I got a bunch of miles by buying the truck. How much was the wrecked truck? $12,000. A totaled Toyota Tacoma for $12,000. Destroyed. Yeah. I actually found the lady who crashed it, believe it or not, via the power of social media. I posted a photo before and after photo. And some guy commented and tagged someone was like, hey, isn't this your old truck? And found the lady, believe it or not. No. She felt she was hunting. She'd been hunting all day long, super tired, driving home late at night fell asleep on a road in the middle of the desert in Nevada, going like 80, and went off the road, threw a bunch of fences. Luckily, there's no trees or anything because it's the desert. Threw a bunch of trees and uh, some ditches and stuff. And that's why the suspension broke in half, just because she was like bottoming it out, bouncing across the desert. But she was fine. But the biggest problem is you think a project is going to cost $10,000 to do it, right? In my budget for what I wanted to do, which was not turning it back into a, a stock vehicle, it was something that's more of kind of off-road specific with high-end parts. My budget for selling the truck was about $35,000. I bought the wreck truck for $12,000. So I had that extra money to, to fill in the gaps with everything else. And quickly you realize it takes way longer and is way more expensive and there's more broken stuff than you had anticipated and it spirals out of control. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? credit cards, just save up money and wait months and months while the truck just rots in the driveway. You know, what's the best option here? And so, you know, I had somewhat of an audience and started reaching out to different parts manufacturers and saying, Hey, I've got an audience. I'd love to promote your stuff. And most of them said no. So it was just cold DMing people. Most people said no or didn't respond. But those few that did respond, I worked out deals with them. And like I'm sponsored by a suspension company and a wheel company and a lighting company, which was great, uh, saved some money. But that's hard work to get there, to get noticed on Instagram, have it be valuable enough for that company to give me a break on their parts. And then for me to promote their stuff, like there's a lot involved in that. And so I could do something with that. Like I know how to do that. It sucks to do it because it takes so long and you get rejected constantly. What if I just do that over and over and over again and sell people that solution? So they don't have to do any of that stuff. They don't have to build a following. They don't have to risk financial distress by building a ridiculous car, buying a wrecked vehicle. And then I started asking people, like, how much do you guys actually spend per year on your project cars? And I get thousands of answers back through polls and DMs. And most people are like, you know, I spend... $10,000 a year just modifying my cars. That's not insurance. That's not maintenance. That's just new wheels and tires and suspension and all the other crap that you can put on a car. Like, oh, they're spending substantial amounts of money. And other people that are more kind of hardcore have the means to spend a little bit more, spending $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 a year just modifying their cars. That's it. Not buying the vehicle. Like, all right, so I've got some runway here to solve this problem these people and sell them a solution at a price that I think is fair, but I can make a good living off of. And that's just the front end product is back end access to all of these deals that I brokered. So there's like 30 something of them now. And the average 
savings is like 15% on whatever the parts are. So there's there's thousands of parts now that people can have access to at discount rates without having to do all the other crap that's involved in doing that on your own. And these are cars both old and new. So if you had a 67 Corvette convertible, there's parts in here that you could find. If you have a yep. 2022 BMW M4, you could find something on here that you could modify with. Yeah, that's the goal. I wouldn't say at the moment I'm to the point where anybody who drives anything can finish their project in entirety with everything. But that's what I'm working towards is aggregating the largest amount of deals for parts enthusiasts or car enthusiasts that exist. There's definitely some types of cars that get modified more than others. Yeah. Like a Tacoma is an off-road beast. There's probably more Tacomas modified in some way than any other truck. It's ridiculous. Like, and that's why my friend that owns Tacoma Beast has done so well is because he sells all the parts that people want to use to modify their Tacoma and then shows people how cool your truck can be by putting all those parts on. It's a brilliant business model. And he hasn't told me how much he makes, but I mean, millions and millions of dollars doing that. And for you, the sales pitch at its simplest form is, hey, if, if you spend... I don't even know. You probably could tell me the numbers. If you spend $2,500 a year on either tires or other parts, it could be everyday parts or, or permanent parts on your car. If we save you an average of 15%, that more than covers your membership to Webster Auto Collective and puts money back in your pocket. And then you have all these other ancillary benefits of the community, of the opportunities that you're going to talk about and above and beyond that. Correct? Exactly. Like I want it to be to the point where you sign up for the club, you earn your money back. I'm not going to say a specified amount of time because everyone has different time horizons for their project. But within the first year, 100% of the time, you're saving more money than you're spending on the annual membership costs. Yeah. For anybody who's not a car guy out there, the equivalent of this is there's millions and millions of AAA members out there that are AAA members just so if you're stuck on the side of the road and someone brings you gas or tows you or unlocks your car for you, it pays for itself. It's the same thing as AAA from a membership perspective, except let's take it a niche just slightly different, not to necessarily everyday car people, but the many people that are into cars. I grew up in Michigan and there's a lot of car people in Michigan. So I know where these people reside and I know how fun it can be. When you're riding Woodward Drive in Detroit on a Friday night with hundreds of other classic cars, it becomes like its own unique community. Yeah, there's an energy behind it. There is, exactly. And once Webster Auto Collective gets the word out that, how are you doing this? And it's saving money. It's just the flywheel is going to be going pretty fast. So I hope so. The AAA point that you brought up is a great way to think about it. Those guys, it's anybody with a car that is not handy. They don't know how to change their tire. They run out of gas. They don't have a gas can. They can walk to a gas station and get, right? But they have something like 60 million members in the United States with an average revenue of over $3 billion. And the membership cost is like 90 bucks or something a year. Those are people spending 90 bucks a year that don't care about modifying their cars. They're just trying to save some hassle 
for the most part. Me, what we're doing is we are targeting the car guy that spends over $10,000 a year that's really serious about doing that. Creating something, that a vision in their head, something that will turn heads as they drive down the street, something that's fun to go to the grocery store and they get excited about going for a two-minute drive to 7-Eleven just because they love their car so much. Those are the people that I want. I don't want the people that are just eh, dabble in cars. Like this is for the hardcore car enthusiast that is serious about modifying their cars and willing to completely destroy the resale value of their car in the process. <laughs> Most car enthusiasts, I mean, you put $10,000 into your car, you're reducing the value of the car by a couple thousand dollars probably in most cases. But those are the people that we want, that I want. It's the people that have the passion and all they do is think about cars all day long. And that's me. So I just want to solve that problem for as many versions of me as I can. So what's next? You have a vision. I mean, people today can go to WebsterAutoCollective.com and sign up for a pre-launch because it's not the actual collective, the community is not fully live yet, but it's in pre-launch. What's the next step here? You've got, what is it? It's like 30, 40,000 Instagram followers, a ton of YouTube followers that you've built off of the back of building the Tacoma and getting followers and telling your story. And then we went back to the audience and we got the answer, which was Webster Auto Collective. If Sam could find a way to save me money on my car building, I would pay that guy money to be part of his collective. Now what's next? So I'm still working on putting together more brand deals. I want to get to the point, like you said, you know, there's all sorts of cars that people modify. I want to have a broad spectrum of deals that people can take part in, not just Tacomas. So I'm working on putting more of those deals together, just bringing up that value proposition even more. So the value that I can deliver to my future customers is a lot higher. But the pre-launch phase is, I mean, the tactics behind it is I'm just going to start talking to my audience about it. So my main Instagram page, my personal page with the Tacoma stuff, via stories and reels and things like that, I'm just going to start talking about it and moving people towards the pre-launch page. Because every time I post a story, I have thousands of people that see it. And so that's a pretty easy way. That's low-hanging fruit for me to drive people to that pre-launch page. But one of the other popular things that happens in the car world is giveaways, giving parts away uh, via raffles and things. And so my friend, Tacoma Beast, he gives away entire cars, like fully built Tacomas, he gives them away. Uh, there's a company here in Utah called 8080, and their entire business model is nothing but giving away highly modified vehicles, which is crazy. And so I'm gonna do that as well, but. I'm going to introduce that inside of the pre-launch phase. And this is something that I learned from Harry's Razors. Harry's was able to build a pre-launch list of like 100,000 people in the scope of like a month. Maybe it seems less than that, a couple of weeks. So it was a massive amount of people. And so I started researching how they did that because this is before they even have a, had a product. What they did is it's all referrals. And so... What they would do is people would sign up for the pre-launch on their landing page, send them an email to confirm that they had gotten, that they were subscribed. And in that was, hey, there's a link to this. Did you know that you can get free razors for a year? Click on the link, piques their interest. And there's five different tiers. First one was like a free can of shave cream if you refer five friends. The next one was 10 friends and you got like a free razor handle. 
And at the very end, it was 50 referrals and you got three razors for an entire year. And so essentially what they're doing is just incentivizing people to do a really low friction action by just sending their friend a link. You didn't have to make a purchase. There was no transaction involved. It was simply just sending an email to someone and hoping that they would see the value in it because their friend said that you know there's value in it and clicking on that link. And so 100,000 people in, in the scope of a month or even less. And so I'm going to do the same thing with the giveaways. Every month, I'm going to be giving away... The first month, I'm going to do something like $500 worth of parts, lights, stuff that's more generalized so that anybody could use it, depending on what... doesn't matter what car they have. So the first tier is going to be refer five friends, get five giveaway credits. And the next one will be 10 friends, 15 giveaway credits. And at the very end, you refer 50 people, which is enormous. I will discount your rate even more, your monthly rate, to be a part of the club, and you get like a hundred giveaway credits or something. And so it's a really low friction action that they can see in monetary value. Like I'm going to, for the actual giveaways, if people don't refer their friends, each buy-in, each ticket into the giveaway is going to be five bucks. And so right off the bat, it's like you send five emails, you refer five people, that's $25 worth of value in the future that I'm giving back to you right away has zero cost to me. I'm not paying anything for it unless at the very end, I'm discounting their rate. But if they refer 50 people, which I think is unlikely, but if they do, I'm happy to discount that rate going forward just to get those leads. And so Harry's did it in the Hustle newsletter too. I don't know if you've ever read the Hustle, Sam Parr's newsletter. He did the same thing. Referrals based on giveaway type things. He he gave away stickers and hats and things like that. I don't want to deal with the fulfillment of all of that. So I'm just doing giveaway credits and reduced rates. I like that this is something that it could get out of control yeah. fast, right? If it hits the right speed, if it hits the right virality on social media, whatever, it could really just take on a life of its own. One thing I'll say, you have this unique opportunity, similar to what Jason has. He owns Element 26. His is a weightlifting belt and he's got other products too, but he has this unique opportunity where he can go to CrossFit events. And so he can work with CrossFitters and he can work with the audiences of the CrossFit games. Like he was down in Wadapalooza and he had a sponsored booth this year. But in his early years, before he got a sponsored booth, he'd just go to these events and he'd talk to as many people as he can. So he'd talk to... For you, it would be the car parts manufacturers. For him, it was maybe the CrossFitters. And you could just be walking around with a stack of business cards, going up to every guy with a car and just saying, hey, I started Webster Auto Collective. Give him a 30-second spiel. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. If you sign up, it's a free month. Get as many discounted parts as you want in a month. Check it out. Tell your friends, whatever. I know nobody wants to be a road warrior to that extent, but there's car shows going on all over the country all the time with a captive audience. And it's not necessarily scalable as it is to have an online referral path. But if your goal is, I have to get to a thousand users, that might take one car show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that might, depending on the size of that car show, right. it might take two, it might take three. But the thing is, is you have that captive audience, probably both of parts suppliers who do booths there and of users. It'd be super efficient because everybody's in one spot. And eventually, like Jason did, you'll end up having your own booth there. 
Yeah. And you'll have the web for auto collected and people will come to you and you'll be giving away a Tacoma at each one of those events because so many people will want to sign up or, or whatnot. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah, totally. And I had started working with someone else on manufacturing off-road vehicles and like another business, which I'm no longer a part of, but we ended up going to some industry trade shows and networking with people. And some of the brand deals that I got are because of those relationships that I built that one conversation that I had with somebody at one of those trade shows. And the cool thing was I'm cold emailing people constantly. And a lot of the time it's the only email address I can find is like a general customer support email. And it never ends up in somebody's inbox that can actually make a decision. But with these guys, it's like, oh, I've got the marketing director's name, the sales manager's name and phone number. I can call them. And so most of those contacts that I made have worked out, which has given me a lot of legitimacy because they're big, well-known brands. And there's a show coming up at the end of February, which I'm going to, which is right by my my house in Salt Lake City. And I'm going to do the same thing. Stack of cards. I'm going to go around to every one of the booths, give them my, my spiel and say, you know, if you want to be a part of it, that would be great. And you know, just start building those relationships. And it's so much easier to build those relationships in person than it is over the phone. Oh, yeah, definitely. And a couple of the people that I've talked to, this one was kind of blew my mind. I guessed on an email address for a big aftermarket brakes manufacturer called Alcon Brakes. They build brakes for some of the most high performance race cars that exist in the world. And I just cold emailed this number. He's like, hey, I actually know your stuff from Instagram. I've been following your Tacoma. <laughs> and, and I'm working on building a deal with them. He said, There's, we don't really do this with anybody else, but the US is a cool concept and we'd love to be a part of it, which is wild to me. So I'm going to go to those car shows and start doing that. Plus, it's fun. And my truck is going to be featured in a trade show next October, a really big one in Southern California called Off-Road Expo. And so that'll be in one of my sponsor's booths, which is pretty fun. So I'll go to that and start doing more networking there too. Yeah, that's actually a decent play too. Because you want to go to these sponsors, right? These parts manufacturers. And you don't just want to ask them like, Hey, will you help me? Can you give me, you know, all these questions of getting something from them before you give them something. And you might not think this, but you're your own mini celebrity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you can offer to them, Hey, I used your brakes on my Tacoma or, Hey, I really am a fan of your tire brand or whatever it is. And you could find a way to work with them and potentially they'll pay for you to come sit in the booth. I know there was a fertilizer company that I knew that they just partnered with. It was like a LPGA tour golfer. And she would just go with them to each one of their trade shows and be in the booth and they'd do like putting contests. And it was just a neat way for them to add a little bit more value to their booth. And she didn't, I think she got paid to do it. You might just benefit from the relationships and the opportunity to to tell your story. And they're benefiting because at the end of the day, they want you to be successful so that they have a captive audience to sell their parts to. So For sure. there's a lot of win-win there. If you come at it, potentially giving them something like, hey, I know you're going to this event or do you typically go to trade shows? I'm looking to get into more trade show booths and offer my audience to your brand, it could be a good opportunity for you to get more exposure. 
what is that number? Do you know what that number is that you're shooting for, for initial launch? Like, do you want to have a thousand users or are you shooting for a hundred users? What's the goal? So my goal is to do a million dollars in revenue year one after the launch. So launch table, that's when I'll start the timer. Depending on whether people buy an annual membership, which is discounted a little bit versus a monthly membership, roughly 2,000 people will get me there, which is not a huge number. No. And that's annual recurring revenue too. So it's not one-time sales, which is nice. And one of my fears is people will come in and they'll see all the discounts and they'll use what they need and move on. So my customer retention strategy is... Every month or every two months, I've decided I'll drop the next batch of brands. So if you leave, you're going to miss out on discounts from X, Y, and Z. You're going to miss out on tires and wheels and exhausts from all these other people. Also, giveaways. As more people join the club, I'll have more cash reserves to give away more stuff. I also think that the giveaways, I can partner with the brands whose merchandise I'm giving away. Because if I have a large enough audience, I can say, hey... I have an email list of 20,000 people. I can send out an email saying, you guys are participating in this. Here's all the benefits of your product. If you just give me one of those to give away, I can give it away. And it costs me nothing. And people will pay or refer to be part of that giveaway. But roughly on the front end product, roughly 2,000 people will get me to that million dollar a year revenue mark for year one. My biggest fear for anybody in your position that hasn't launched is that they wait for that perfect time to launch. The For you, it's I've got enough partners here to launch. And you may not need to do that. And to be fair, it may be more of a disaster to launch and have 2,000 people in there day one and have something go wrong. Sure. You might be better off launching sooner than later, maybe even having a lower price to start to entice people to come in and offer them potentially less, but they're your raving fans, right? In that in that curve of adoption, these are the people the most desperate for the early adopters, right? Then the early adopters bring along the people that want to see the proven concept and that creates that effect of launching. And I think for you, just be wary of waiting too long and getting to market, getting feedback in a sustainable way, and then you'll get there. I mean, I think you could get 2,000 people if you went to two big car shows. I probably couldn't. If you went to two NASCAR events <laughs> and you went yeah, to the right? center of Dega, <laughs> you would probably get it there. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Yeah. I don't think it's a problem of getting adoption. I think it's a problem of just pulling the trigger and having fun, right? Like, we were talking about launching a podcast. You're talking about sustainability and continuously adding value, your content is the future for you. If you continue to build that community for them that they can consume inside there that's a little bit exclusive, I think that's going to be incredible. So if you're interviewing other people working on builds like you that built your audience, that's going to be a huge opportunity for you. And like we talked about, if you then show those wins, right? back to the cold audiences, right? The people that haven't converted to become collective members yet of how much you've saved them. If you've saved them $2,500, $5,000 and their membership's only a couple hundred, it's going to be a very easy sell for somebody to come in. I think you're right. Like I like you probably have tried a lot of different things in the past and 
a lot of them have failed, learned a lot from them, but I'm to that point where I, I have this graveyard of stuff I've tried that hasn't worked. And so I'm to this point where it's like, this is very real. I've put more effort into this than any other business I've tried to start. And I'm a little bit nervous to pull the trigger. I want to make sure that value proposition is strong. People will see it. But again, like, what good is it if you don't start taking sales? Yeah. I'm to that point where I probably could launch, but for whatever reason, I'm, I'm holding back because I'm thinking this might not work, which I think every entrepreneur has that fear. But I'm reading, I mean, this is perfect timing you're saying this. I'm, I'm reading uh, Ready Fire Aim at the moment. Have you read that? I'm actually, this is funny. I'm listening to the audiobook literally right now. Yeah, so I'm doing audiobook too. <laughs> so the whole thing is like, just move. Yeah. Just move. And you'll learn things faster. You'll fail faster. You can come up with solutions faster and get to the end product as quickly as possible. Waiting to perfect the product before you actually make a sale, like you were just saying, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I'll put it to you this way. We at Forrest and Harold, our men's accessories company, yep. we launched three products in the last four months. So we launched passport holders, men's bracelets, and leather catch-alls. In January, our top six products included those three. And the other three in the top six are just three different types of wallets. So the wallets are still our number one seller collectively, but those three launched products became our top six products. And that shocked me because people didn't know us at all for that. But our community just came in and, and adopted those products with us. And we didn't order a lot of product, somewhat out of fear, not really knowing these were the first products that we launched since we acquired the Wallets brand. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to get stuck with too many products in inventory and make sure that they were a good fit. So we ordered minimum order quantities and we're running out of those and we're just getting more in. For you, you don't even have to worry about inventory Mm -hmm. coming from somewhere in production. So... You can launch tomorrow and just keep working forward. You just need to get those people in, get their feedback, serve them, make the tweaks that inevitably are going to be needed to be made. And then put it this way, you'll be on the 2,000 person run rate that you need for the million dollar revenue sooner than you think. You're just not going to start with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, like right out of the gate, that's not going to happen. But it's... I think I, I need to pull the trigger. I've been, I don't know, I'm just hesitant to do it. Like, I just have this weird mental block at the moment. Set the date. Yeah, no, set the date and just take action. I mean, just like anything, I always feel better after I've done something. So, like, kick the can farther down the road and I just need to pull the trigger. Because I think you're right. Like, these early people, it's a test case, yes. I've validated the concept by interviewing people. But, you know, until people actually get in, I won't have any good feedback and think of them as beta testers for the initial SaaS companies. You know, they let people in first at a discounted rate or free just to try it and give feedback. And that might be the move, even though I will offer a discounted rate at the beginning. As I bring people more value, I can just tell people, hey, rates are going up next month if you want to lock in your price forever. Purchase now. And- yeah, and the early adopters typically are willing to pay more. Either they know you, right? Or they have such a desperate need for the value that you're bringing that it's fine and it makes sense. But you'll figure that piece out. The other positive piece to this is 
if you get that little bit of cash flow from the early adopters, it can help fund some of those other pieces that you're going to need to really serve the 2000 person audience that you can start to put into place that would be chaos if you went from zero to 60. Like for instance, if you launch your podcast, right? Interviewing other builders, you're going to potentially want to layer off video editing and maybe even your social posting. And you may want to be 10 episodes in where you're doing it yourself. And then you've launched, you get some revenue from the first 500 customers, but that creates enough revenue that you can outsource that. Now that's just one thing off of your plate. So when 2000 customers come, you're not trying to deal with all. That's the owner's model that Ryan always talks about, right? You've got to take a little bit on and understand how the process works to layer it off. You know it. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I still work a full-time job. And the last thing I need is like an entire other full-time job on top of that. And that's not what I want. So from, from the beginning, I'm trying to systematize the whole thing where I come up with the ideas other people execute the things that need to be done to carry out that vision. But I need cash flow to do that. Yep. So tell everybody where they can find you, how they can support you. We got WebsterAutoCollective.com if anybody wants to sign up for the pre-launch. Yep. You've got social media handles. What are those? So Instagram, it's Sam Webb. Sam with two M's. YouTube, Sam Webster. You can find the link from my Instagram page. That's where I do most of my stuff is Instagram. And if you want to shoot me an email, have any ideas, want to chat, sam at WebsterAutoCollective.com. And I'll post all this stuff in the links in the bio for the podcast and on our YouTube channel and all of those places as well for anybody interested. And Sam, we'll have you back. When you launch, we'll put it out to the community again and we'll make sure everybody knows that this is live. Go get your car stuff here. Sound good? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to check in and uh, give you some updates. Tell you how it's going. Perfect. Well, everybody, go check it out. Sam Webster, WebsterAutoCollective.com. Thank you for coming on today. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes so we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.